You're listening to the Veritas Podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. We're helping move the hearts and minds of more college students to believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, find us on social media at Veritas Como. We hope you're encouraged by this message. One of my very favorite shows like of all time was this limited series that was released by Netflix a couple years ago called Maniac. Um, some of you might not know about it. I won't give you like a full summary um, because it's kind of besides the point, but um, it is seriously one of my favorite shows ever. And if you watch it, side note, um, because of my recommendation, just know going into it that it's like super weird, but so good. Anyways. It's set in this like parallel universe is like New York City. And there's some weird stuff in it, it's pretty like dystopian. And so there's like an animatron, like some of the details of the parallel universe are there's like this animatron that plays chess. And like another detail is the way that they do advertisements in this parallel universe is that a physical person, like real human being, stands in front of you and just like rattles off all the advertisements for the day in front of you. Um, And then another detail is one called friend proxy. And friend proxy is something that I have like, it just has stuck with me over the years since I've watched this. Um, And in the show, Friend Proxy, it's this company that lets you hire actors to pretend to be your close friends and family. And so if you needed like a date to a wedding, you could hire a friend proxy for the day. Or if you were really lonely and you wanted a best friend, you could hire an actor to pretend to be your best friend for up to three years. It sounds like pretty absurd, but looking into it, this is actually a real thing like in our world today. It's an industry in Japan and one that even Conan O'Brien, like in a couple years ago in one of his shows, he went to Japan to meet his pretend family. Um, so yeah, you can like literally hire someone to pretend to be your mom or your dad or your brother or your best friend or your husband. Now, some of you might be asking like, why would someone use this? Um, and Maniac, the character that uses it in the show, Um, He kind of explains himself, and he says, you know, I have real friends. This is just more convenient. This is just more convenient. Now, maybe because of just how much I've, like, read into this over the years, and especially this past week for this talk, but I think that this service, as, like, weird and bizarre as it is, I think it says a whole lot more about how we think about ourselves and how we treat the people around us than we would maybe like to admit. See, we want life-giving people in our lives. And people that are hard for us or inconvenient for us, we would just rather them, like, not, if we're being honest. You don't have to scroll far in Instagram for us to, like, see these messages, like, just constantly um, about cutting people out of our lives, right? And the actual business card of someone who works at the real-life friend proxy in Japan, it says... Um, It has a saying on it, and the saying translates that it's more pleasure, or more pleasure than the pleasure reality can provide. So, more pleasure than the pleasure reality can provide. Isn't that what we want? If we're being honest with ourselves, with friendships, and with relationships, 
We want more pleasure than the pleasure reality can provide for us. Because sometimes reality, it just comes with like a lot of baggage. We're about friendships and relationships when it's comforting for us, when it's convenient for us, when people make us feel good about ourselves or just feel good, period. But can we get that with like all of, without all of the other junk that comes with it? Now, I think friend proxy and our cultural mantras, they say a ton about how we think about other people. But I also think that it reveals something a little deeper about ourselves. And I think that's that we have a wrong view of ourselves. For instance, in 2015, a Pew Research revealed that 68% of us say that the term selfish applies to the typical American. However, only 17% of us said that that could possibly apply to us. So a majority of us think that a majority of us are selfish, but only a minority of us are willing to admit that we are part of the problem. So tonight, we're finishing up the book of Galatians, and we've been looking at this letter Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. We heard how the gospel that Jesus is the saving king is good news, and how good, that good news, how that, means, how that means we can live for something more than pleasing the people around us, and how what Jesus has done for us is more than anything we could ever need and more than enough for us and how it affects the way we love people and how it gives us a better freedom than this world can provide. And so tonight, we're looking at how Paul starts to end his letter. And I think you'll see Paul is challenging how we view ourselves because the gospel, it changes how we view ourselves and that will change how we view and how we love the people around us. Let's read. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, at first glance, this kind of looks like a string of commands that Paul is giving us, like a how to love people kind of thing. But I think that there's a thread here, something like a little bit deeper that Paul is getting at. Not only in these verses, um, it grounds these verses in the entire book of Galatians for us. And that is that we have a wrong view of ourselves. Let's look at it. Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this is coming right off of like the infamous verses of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the fruit of the Spirit is kind of this like metaphor in the Bible for the kind of character of someone who has put their faith in Jesus. Paul says in Matthew 7, when talking about false prophets, that you will know who they are by their fruit. And so in Galatians, Paul says, right after explaining the fruit of the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And he says this in a way that leans to literally, to like walk behind a leader. 
And so the Spirit in this case is a leader, and the Spirit is leading us in the way of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he goes on to say, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And to be conceited is to have an excessive pride in oneself, which like, who, me, right? Tim Keller, he says that we're all probably like a little conceited, but it's not because of something you'd probably think. Usually conceit actually comes out of like a deeply rooted insecurity, a perceived like absence of honor and glory, which leads us to prove our worth to ourselves and others. We often have a wrong view of ourselves. And Paul says that when we become conceited, we're prone to provoke and to envy each other. And here's what this looks like. Like you and I, um, we probably tend to have a high view of ourselves or a low view of ourselves. And it probably fluctuates. Um, It's not just one or just the other. And you probably tend to see yourself in one over the other. Um, And you probably tend towards one. And so if you tend to have a high view of yourself, you probably have a ton of accomplishments or qualities about yourself that you're pretty proud of. You put a lot of stake in those things. And so you're maybe prone to look down on people who don't have as much together as you. Or you might tend towards competition or towards challenging people. You might tend towards provoking people as what Paul is saying here in Galatians. When confronted, you might get angry or judgmental. You might be prone to pick arguments with people or blow up when tensions get high. You tend to think yourself as better than others. Might even find yourself thinking things like, I would never do what that person has done, or at least I'm not that guy. So that's like if you have a, tend to have a high view of yourself. If you tend to have a low view of yourself, you probably look at the people around you and wonder why you don't have whatever it is that they have. The people around you, they might seem to be somehow better than you, somehow above you, have more than you. So you would tend towards envying people, like what Paul is saying here. Towards wanting something that, that belongs to someone else, or wanting someone else to just not have that thing. You probably avoid confrontation. And when tensions are high, you probably get clammed up, defensive, or discouraged. You tend to get embarrassed or intimidated around certain kinds of people or find yourself thinking things like, I could never accomplish what they have. And now my point here isn't to just put us into like these camps of people, but rather to see how I think if we're really being honest with ourselves, we are all prone to have a wrong view of ourselves one way or another. And if we have a wrong view of ourselves, we may be living for the wrong gospel. So you see, there's a, there's a reason that Paul included this in the letter to the Galatians. You see, if you remember, the Galatians had heard the gospel, the message that Jesus is a saving king. But some people had come along after and kind of distorted that message. They were saying that, sure, Jesus is a saving king, but also you needed to do this and this in order to be saved that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough to save us, that we needed to be a good person and we needed to do all the right things as well. And I want us to hear this because this was true of the church of Galatia and this message is rampant in our culture today. 
We want to hear that we are good. We want to hear that we're enough. We want to hear that there are good people in this world and there are bad people. And that when relationships aren't life-giving for us, that we don't have to keep them in our lives. And when people don't see the good in us, then I don't have to see the good in them. And now, if that is your gospel, if that is your worldview and the story that you're living into, of course you're going to have the wrong view of yourself. You will only continue to swing from a low view of yourself to a high view of yourself. And your relationships are going to suffer. Because think about this. This gospel says that you're only enough, you are only worth saving if you reach a certain level. Only when you are doing these things and not doing those. But the true gospel changes how we view ourselves. Because the gospel says that human beings, we were made in the image of God, in the image of the creator of the entire universe. That we were made to reflect the beauty and the goodness of God to the world and the beauty and goodness of the world back to God. And that instead of trusting in the goodness of God, that human beings wanted to define what was good for themselves. We and the world around us have, was broken by the condition of sin. The world and us humans, are, we are no longer as we should be. And so in this condition, unable to be fixed or perfected by our own doing, God sent his son Jesus to restore us back to God. That while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. We were declared cherished and loved and valued, not on the basis of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we live in this space like this tension of already and not yet, where all of this is true, all of this is true about us, but sin and brokenness remain until Jesus comes back to make all things new. And so when we're tempted to look at all we've done and all we are, and we get angry and judgmental or look down at people around us, the gospel knocks us down a good peg because we can't save ourselves. Whatever goodness we have in us is nothing if not submitted and dependent on Jesus and in service to the people around us. Or when we're tempted to look at people around us and wish we had something that we didn't or wish we were someone who God didn't create us to be, the gospel reminds us that we were created in the very image of God, that we were created purposefully and for a purpose, and that you don't have to prove yourself worthy because Jesus has already declared you worthy, worthy enough to die for. And when, when these truths become more than just words and become truths that we are living out, it has the capacity to change us, change who we are. And more than that, it transforms the way that we can view and love the people around us. It's this truth that C.S. Lewis said um, about this that C.S. Lewis said, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. There are no ordinary people. There are no ordinary people. We are all made in the image of God and yet broken by sin and yet cherished and loved by him. 
And so if the gospel has changed how we view ourselves and it is changing the way that we are viewing other people, then what Paul says next in Galatians, I think, makes a lot of sense. When the gospel shapes our view of ourselves, Paul says, here are two ways that this should play out in our relationships. One of the ways the gospel plays out in our relationships is that it challenges us to restore one another from sin. Paul goes on to say, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I think this can only happen if we remember how the gospel shapes our view of ourselves. Because if we're coming from a high sense of self or a low sense of self, we're just ultimately making these conversations about us. And this is like one of the hardest things to do. I'll be the first to admit that I used to hate these conversations, like dread them. As a recovering people pleaser and as someone who tends to have a pretty low view of themselves, these conversations used to feel like, for me, like I could be putting our entire relationship on the line or like my entire reputation on the line if I brought up sin that I saw in someone's life. But as I've gotten older, these have come up more often. And I've actually been on the receiving end of these like much more than I would like to admit. Um, I can think of a few times in particular when a good friend has brought up sin that they saw in my life, sin that I didn't necessarily know that I was caught in. And can I tell you that those conversations are often the most restorative moments in my faith in my adult life. And the idea of restoring something brings up a lot of imagery for me. I'm reminded of our speakers um, that we have in our living room now. Um, We found them in my grandpa's best friend's basement, of all places, after he passed away. And when we saw them the first time, um, weirdly enough, we loved the look of them. (laughs) There's actually like something that goes on top of it that you'll see in a second. But that was the insides when we got them and brought them home. Um, They were completely dusty. I don't know if you can see in this picture, but the insides are like rotting out. And like there was no way when we found these that these were going to work. But um, we kind of saw like some potential in them. Um, We saw um, the kinds of speakers that they were maybe intended to be. And so we brought them home and we cleaned them. And by we, I mean mostly Nick cleaned them. Um, Nick cleaned and like looked up how to rewire a speaker and we made these things like completely new. Um, And now we absolutely love them. Um, This was our old apartment. These are them on the sides. Like they're really beautiful and like one of a kind. Um, But whenever we see them or hear music coming out of them, I'm reminded of like how they used to be and how we saw the potential in them and restored them to what they are now, which was, I think, what they were intended to be all along. Restoring something means that you're bringing something back to its original state. So in these conversations, when we are restoring people um, who are caught in sin, we aren't just telling them that they are a bad person or that they're not good enough, but we're bringing each other back to who we were created to be. We're looking at the dust and the rotting of the insides, and we're saying that you were created for more than this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Practically, I think this looks like going into these conversations with like a gospel-shaped view of ourselves and the person in question. Like we have to have that. 
And neither of you are better or worse, but both of you were created by God and broken by sin and yet loved and cherished by God. We have to approach these conversations gently, like Paul says. And remember, the goal here is restoration. Another way the gospel plays out in relationships is that it challenges us to carry each other's burdens. Goes on, oh, this is fun. You guys can read that, right? Um, I'm just going to read. So it says that another way gospel plays out in our relationships is it challenges us to carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens is something that I think a lot of us want to be true of us. But when we actually see how much that burden weighs or we remember the burdens of our own, this becomes way less romantic and we become like pretty reluctant to carry each other's burdens. And again, how you view people comes into play here. If you tend to have a low view of yourself, carrying someone's burdens becomes a way for you to feel better about yourself. And if you tend to have a high view of yourself, carrying someone's burdens is probably just not worth your time. And neither of these things fulfills the law of Christ, which is what Paul says is the way we should carry each other's burdens. What he's getting at here, I think we see in John 13, 34, when Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As Jesus has loved you. If we have a gospel-shaped view of ourselves and the people around us, and if we understand what Jesus is really saying here, carrying each other's burdens is like a no-brainer. But how do we do this practically? This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but here are a few like reminders that I think are helpful to keep in mind as we carry each other's burdens. And the first one is to be with them. Um, it seems really simple. But to be a community where we are carrying each other's burdens, we have to be with each other. And not just in theory or like in like the physical sense, but like it says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Those who are rejoicing, those who are celebrating, celebrate with them. That person in small group who's going through a really hard time, weep with them. When our sense of self is shaped by the gospel, their wins aren't our losses, and their losses aren't our wins. Another um, way that we can bear each other's burdens is by listening. Um, Proverbs gives us a lot of wisdom about listening. It tells us that it is the fool. It is the fool who takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. And he also says that it's the fool that gives an answer before understanding, but that the purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water, and a man of understanding will draw it out. I love that last one. The purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Listening requires us to ask good questions. When our friends, our family are going through something or are carrying a weight, which, spoiler alert, we all are, asking questions helps us draw out what's really going on. Questions help us carry the weight of the people around us. 
questions like who they are, how they became that person, what they know, how they learned it, what they hold dear, why they hold it dear, how they feel, and why they feel that way. Then the last way that we can bear each other's burdens is by prayer. By prayer for yourself, that you would come to fully know and see yourself as God sees you, that you would be a person that would love others because of the love Jesus has showed you, that your sense of self would be shaped by the gospel and not by whatever good or bad you see in yourself. Pray for the people around you, that you would have eyes to see their needs, that you would see the need beneath the need, if that makes sense, their greater need for a savior, for, to be restored back to God, ultimately. And then pray for wisdom, for the particular ways you might need to meet a tangible need. People around us are carrying financial, emotional, physical, spiritual burdens. Pray that God would help you meet whatever need the people in your life around you are carrying. To close, and as the music team comes back up, I wanted to dream a little bit about what could happen, what could be true of our community here at Veritas. What would happen if we became a people who were known by our selflessness and by the way that we were able to treat people because of the way that the gospel was shaping us? Galatians was a letter written to a church, to a community of believers who were wrestling with the gospel together. What if Veritas was a community that really wrestled with how the gospel changes the way we view ourselves and the way that we view and we love the people around us. We're headed into finals week and Christmas season, which is a time that we tend to think a lot about ourselves, if we're being honest. So how can we be restoring each other who are caught in sin? How can we be bearing each other's burdens? What if we continuously reminded each other that there is another way? What if we showed the people around us that there is another way, the way of Jesus? Thanks for listening to the Veritas podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, make sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow us on social media at Veritas Como. Thanks again for listening.